And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, PR with this old marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 246 of PNR's This Old Marketing, recorded on October 1st, 2020. And with me, my good friend, my colleague, and a guy who definitely pays more than $750 in taxes, Mr. Joe Polizzi. How are you, my friend? <laughs> You're damn right. Oh, I'm sorry. Can I say that? Uh, yeah. How about that? Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't even know where to start, so I'm not even going to uh, to do anything, to say anything. No, I think that's comment. probably just, yeah, it's like, uh, I think, uh, I, you know, just shut up, man. I mean, <laughs> it's just... Did you watch any of the debate? I watched the highlights, uh, or the lowlights. I haven't watched better way to one, say it. yeah, I haven't watched one thing. I, yeah. I don't even... I avoided it. I definitely avoided it. I mean, people were like, are you going to watch the debate? And I said, no. The only thing, well, the only thing I said, and and you you saw me, I posted this on Facebook yesterday. I I saw a number of people on my Facebook feed that were talking about how uh, Joe Biden couldn't get his words right and he just stumbled and all kinds of stuff. And I just put on, I put on a couple people's wall and I put on my wall. I'm like, everyone needs to know that Joe Biden has fought a battle through a speech disorder his entire life. I said, for whatever you think of him, like him or dislike him, I respect him. Because I mean, everyone listening to this knows that you know battling against speech disorders—that's kind of my jam. That's right, what, exactly. That's, that's what our whole foundation is set up to do. That's right. So I just, you know, I don't, you know, if you're Trump or Biden, whatever, fine, but don't be knocking on Joe Biden because he was having trouble with that dumpster fire. Right. And, and tried to and, talk through it. And getting interrupted with it, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that was, I'm sure. Oh, that was that the strategy. Was the strategy. That, that was the strategy for yeah, sure. Yeah, knock him yeah. off his feet. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it's exactly like Karate Kid when the one guy, you know, he Daniel had the, the knee injury. So he's like, sweep the leg. Right. No, no, no. I don't want to say, no, sweep the leg. That's what he did. He was sweeping the leg. Yeah. So it's a strategy. Have you watched any of the um, Cobra Kai? I I see it on Netflix, and I want to hit play, but I'm really nervous it's not I was going exactly, to live up to my expectations. I was exactly like you. I was exactly like you. Okay, talk me into it. Um, I'm not going to. <laughs> By the time this is over, I'm not going to talk you into it, because I was exactly like you, and I finally bit the bullet and said, okay, I'm going to go watch it. And so I launched it, started watching it, First episode, I was like, meh, eh, whatever. And, you know, there's some cute moments. There's a lot of yeah. fan service for sure, um, you know, if you grew up loving The Karate Kid. Um, and and I grew up liking The Karate Kid. I never really loved that movie. It was never, I never resonated with me like some of the other 80 movies that um, that were out there. He's great. I will tell you the, the I can't remember the actor. Ralph Macchio? No, no, no. Well, oh, Ralph Macchio is fine. But the other actor who is sort of the main character of yeah. this show, um, and I'm sorry, I forget, I forget his name, but he's, he, his performance is fantastic. The whole story is a little, I think it's a little forced. Um, you know, you kind of just want to go, 
uh, you know, just move along kind of thing. So I, I, I don't, I mean, I know a lot of people really like it and I, I thought it was, eh, it was fine. I was, you know, so I got about four episodes in and I was like, nah. Oh, and that was it. Okay. So you didn't even, well, I didn't finish it. No. Okay. Well, with your glowing. (laughs) Yeah. I I told you, I told you, you were going to, I'm not really going to, well, the one thing I did want to mention is that since this is a marketing show, you and I talked about it briefly I did sit down and watch the entire social dilemma. Ah, uh, my wife made it exactly three minutes before she fell asleep. Yeah, I watched the entire thing, and uh, I know you've seen plenty of. Uh, I've seen know, coverage of it and plenty of bits and clips pieces. from it, and I have not seen it. It's there's a couple there's a couple quick takeaways. I'm not going to give anything away. I recommend watching it if you're in marketing. I think it's important. The one thing I thought was interesting is that. All the so they got some of the best former executives of all these social media companies almost to a T. None of them allow their kids on social media, and they pretty much don't allow them on their phones either. So they're really scared about this whole thing. Like they, they talk, the one uh, I think it's the Pinterest Facebook executive said, What's your biggest fear? The guy said, Civil War, right? I'm like. Oh my gosh! This it's a little is dramatic. It's a little dramatic, but but yeah, it is. It is a little dramatic. But yeah. I think the one thing that was important, and I forget which of the interviewees was was talking about this, but they were talking about it like magic. And he's like, "It's a thousand imp, you know, uh, imperceptible things and behavior changes that happen over a long period of time, and before you know it, you're way over on one side on an issue." But yeah. it happens slowly, it like, just, almost like you just don't see it happening. And that's what I'm like, yeah, I can see that. And then, they, of Absolutely. course, they, they show the stat about, you know, Republicans and Democrats have never been further apart than they are right now. And they, of course, blame social media and they probably should. So. I think, yeah, I think there's a there's a there's a huge, you know, the thing is what people forget is you know, we've been doing this for really, let's call it 10 years in earnest. And this kind of fits into a theme of our show, <laughs> which we'll talk about in just a bit. But, you know, we've been really into the social media thing for let's, I mean, it, I know it's a little longer than that. Facebook was 2007, I think, when it finally came out of the university. And, um, you know, and certainly well, it was right after the Great Recession is when everything yeah, after exactly. the Great Recession. 20, so 2010 is a 2010 is as, is as easy a year to sort of mark in the sand as any. And I, we never, pub, and me, we meaning the public, we meaning our children, we meaning, you know, everybody, never got trained on this. No, we, no one was educated on how to do this, right? How to, how to behave. We just sort of felt our way through it. And it's the first time in history that the media was not created by other, right? In other words, it was created by us. Yeah. And everybody else had the ability to try and fail to make it a business. You know, when radio, television, and even the early days of the internet, it was all about business making a business out of it. And we, as the creators of the content, really didn't happen until 2010. And no one got, you know... No one got civics lessons. No one's got how to you know surf for the truth. It was just sort of a new channel that we could get content on. And because it lit up and because it's got pictures associated with it and because it looks like other media that we were used to, 
people really ascribe a lot of authority to it. And, you know, that you get into a lot of problems when you're assi- you're assigning the same authority to, you know, your neighbors, your friends and any idiot on the planet as you do to CBS, NBC, you know, ESPN, you know, any other, you know, yeah. any other broadcast media who were of course, you know, guided through this with laws and regulations and all kinds of, you know, things that just don't exist anymore. And the challenge, of course, is that mainstream media has moved more into the social media world than the other way around, right? In other words, we've introduced way less regulation for, you know, sort of opening up the what mainstream media does. So now it's all blurred, right? And now it all looks the same and no one can distinguish between any of it. And it's because we, we don't know how to do it. We're just dumb. We're just dumb, dumb trying to well, feel, feel our way through this. Well, and the other thing is, is that, and they talked about this on the show, was that a misinformation spread six times faster, shared six times, sorry, shared six times more than factual information. And the guys, the guy that created the algorithm said the algorithm's goal is to get more engagement. And if that thing's on fire, that's what they're going to, that's what they're going to share out. Right. Those are the groups they're going to show that they don't, the algorithm doesn't care. The algorithm has a goal in mind. It doesn't say, well, that looks true. That's right. That's right. And there's an ethics question there because that's the one that, you know, Facebook is sort of, you know, standing behind, which is this idea that, you know, the the way you said it is perfect, right? The algorithm doesn't care. You know what I mean? And, And so they're sort of saying, trying to stand on an ethical stone that says, you know, we, we are the algorithm, basically. We, you know, we are here to serve. We are the serve, product. Right. We are simply here to serve what the algorithm will deliver. Um, and we will succeed or fail based on the success of the algorithm. And that's, you know, people who are standing on the other side of that are, are saying, no, you have a responsibility. And that's, I mean, you know, fun and interesting debate for sure, but... Boy, that's that's the source of the whole thing. You know, it was interesting. Um, I had this conversation with my sons, and I really, I was, I'm, I was really dumbfounded about how it all happened. So I was talking about the social dilemma, of course, and you know, my wife's rolling her eyes, but I'm trying to keep the attention of my boys. And I'm like, I just had a conversation, an email conversation with a former colleague of mine, and ten years ago, we were both almost aligned politically. A little bit, you know, fiscally conservative, maybe socially liberal, um, but almost, you know, Republican Party aligned, aligned, aligned. Well, we had this conversation, and in a matter of a very few short years, we are on exact opposite polar ends of the conversation of, of, of what we believe is right and wrong. And he sent me a whole diatribe of what he believes is right. I mean, this was really long. Like, this is paragraphs and paragraphs of stuff. And I read it, and I said, I'll call him Bill. I said, hey, Bill, uh, I don't know where you're getting your information from, but none of the things that you just sent me, I believe, are fact. I believe they're all mis- that's all misinformation. I said, and, I, and I asked him, I was like, where are you getting your information from? This is where we're at, folks. You know, yeah. where we're, I mean, this, so what, and th- this is like, I can go and I can point at a lot of people and say, you know, I can see how that person got there. I can see why that person believes this. This is a person that I believed essentially the same thing a few years ago. And now 
it's diverged so quickly and it's it it hurts it's, yeah, this is really, really tough. And you know, there's a really interesting. You know, this is something I've. I mean, I've been thinking about doing some writing on or 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 posting at some point. There's actually a really interesting period of U.S. history that is a corollary to what we're seeing today, which is the you know from the 1830s to really the early 1900s. Um, you know, and you studied it in school, right? The whole era of yellow journalism and yeah, um, and all of that. And it was when, basically, when the news got democratized through the penny papers, and uh, when the news got democratized through the penny papers, everybody had a newspaper. There was like, you know, you, your local sports league had a newspaper. Your businesses had newspapers. We've talked about it many times on This Old Marketing. You know, um, s- towns and cities had newspapers. Politics had newspapers. And what ended up happening was is that it got really tribal, very much like it is today when it got democratized. And so you ended up with these very fringe tribal sort of by religion, by politic, by, you know, that were just making stuff up. They were just making news up to sell newspapers and, and to, you know, and to build their audience. And the thing that finally sort of, because you go, okay, well, what, what swung the pendulum? What finally swung the pendulum the other way? And now look, I don't have any empirical evidence of this, um, you know, no data to support this, but what I point to, the thing that I point to that I think is really interesting is one of the things that you started to see was the that as those papers started to talk about people, um, you know, very much in a paparazzi or or sort of tabloid journalism kind of way, they started violating privacy. And uh, Justice Brandeis, for you know, university of course named after him, um, was one of the authors of something that went up to the Supreme Court that talked about the right of privacy and 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 really established a lot of privacy of individuals and what we actually live by now in in modern media with privacy of individuals was set in that sort of early 1900s um, movement. And it's kind of what moved away from all these tribal sort of newspapers and, and, and those sorts of things. And I'm sure there were other things too, but I find it a really interesting thing because if we can think about what's going on today with privacy and sort of transparency in, 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 um, in, you know, in the use of data, I'm hopeful that there's an answer there. I don't know what the answer is, but I'm just hopeful that there is an answer to it. Um, and privacy might be the driver of it. Well, it's, I mean, when, go back 25 years ago, when I was uh, more conservative than I ever was, yeah, I was like, no regulation on anything. Nothing. Like, Everything should be private. And now I'm I'm absolutely in the camp of social media needs mass massive regulation as quickly as possible. The problem is I don't know what that is. I, it just something something needs to be done. Yeah, about I, what's going on, but I don't I don't know. I mean, shoot, we could probably throw out some ideas, but it's a big it's an issue. It's a big but issue the, and it's a big complicated issue and it's one that we should tackle as a, as a people, you know, as a, as a culture, as a government, as a, as a, as a, you know, for, for nothing else other than sort of maybe, you know, to avoid civil war. Oh oh my gosh. Well, shoot that regulation on Facebook might actually cause civil war. Yeah. 
I mean, I there 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 are people that that think that you know if you have to wear a mask inside a grocery store that that is inhibiting your freedom. Oh, it just I mean. So so if yeah. that's the case, and by the way, that's a thing, especially in Midwest Ohio here. No, I know it's a thing here in LA too. Oh man. So, anyways, I don't anyways. know. But that's so social dilemma. That's that's sort of my first news little blurb. I yeah. Would, I would recommend seeing it. It's a little bit hokey in places. You'll know when you see it. But I I get I get it. It makes the point. And my favorite thing is the the direct testimonial from the people that worked on the actual algorithms and the product. Right. It's interesting to hear that. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Well, let's, I mean, so first of all, uh, we should talk about the theme of our wonderful little show here. Um, because as we record this, we're both getting ready for Content Marketing World, the 10-year anniversary. Da, da, da. How about that? Ba, ba, ba. Um, and so we wanted to kind of dedicate an episode to uh, Content Marketing World and the 10 years, um, talk a little bit about some of our memories, the trends that we've seen come out of that. I think, you know, our, our, our conversation just now is a perfect, uh, is a perfect example of that. Um, and so uh, before we do that, Let's cover just a couple of quick news items just quick, so that we get things. that out of the way right. um, because there's some, you know, as we like to do, self-congratulate ourselves on our wonderful uh, accuracy of predictions here. Um, so let's cover just a couple of news here in our first segment, and we'll talk a little bit about what's going on in the world. Um, and the first news item that we'll cover here is something that, yeah, we predicted last show two weeks ago. Uh, when this whole TikTok thing went down and both Joe and I went, yep, deal's going through with Oracle, no problem. And sure enough, what happened, boom, deal went through with Oracle. Um, we mentioned some of the politics behind that. There is no doubt that there are politics behind that. Um, the article that we'll link to in the show notes is sort of the most recent kind of updates, which is uh, even though the Oracle deal seems to have gone through, uh, as the or as this uh, Forbes article uh, uh, puts it, the steady beat from the doomsday clock that has been tick tick ticking away on TikTok's acquisition. Some writer is very proud of himself with that. Um, it is echoing a little less loudly this morning because a federal judge issued a preliminary injunction that prevented the Trump administration from. Forcing Google and Apple to remove TikTok from their app stores, so it's uh, it's a little up in the air right now. What's going to happen with TikTok? So, what's your what's your take here? Two weeks later. Well, I, I yeah, I told you that the I said the deal with Oracle was going to go through, but I did not know it was going to get a Walmart twist. So yeah, I did not <laughs> right. see that happening. So that's really interesting how Walmart uh, got into the action here. Uh, so let's say you know, looking at it now, it's October first. It looks like the deal's going to happen, but honestly, there's so many. Mo- First of all, the White House, if if they he so uh, the president has an executive order and certain dates for things to happen, but the courts can absolutely and probably will overturn any of those because I think he cannot legally do that. Right, um, he's citing national security, but. You know, we'll see what happens. And then you've got now your your thirty days till the election, and it looks like it's actually China that's dragging their feet on it because they have to approve it as well. Has to be yeah, approved course. on both sides. And that's right. China's China's had it for a week right now, and nothing's happened. So we could realistically go right into the election with no deal happening 
And if that happens, boy, all bets are off after that. I, I, I still think it's going to go through, but it changes every minute yeah. to see if this thing's going to happen. Can you imagine being an employee of TikTok and just like waking up every day, looking at your phone going, do I have a job today? <laughs> you know what I mean? And well, so, the, the, the problem I have with it, and we talked a little bit on last episode, is that when something like this happens, even if you're citing nas- national security, it sets a precedent that, that other countries can do it as well. So if the United States can do this, you could see other things happening in China, vice versa. Um, so, and I don't want that to happen. So we'll see. We'll see. You know, oh. I, yeah, <laughs> like it's just, it's a just one more. It's, thing, it's a mess. Right? Here's here's the one data point that you can all take away from you from this: two point five billion downloads um, of TikTok. If if nothing else, this has been an incredible marketing coup for TikTok. Um, it's the most. And by the way, just if you want to look at the numbers and how they're growing, it is the most addictive platform out there. Yeah. Yeah, I, and it's not just kids, folks. No, no, I downloaded. I know it a lot I, of people started, that are on I, it. No, I looked. I look at it too. I, I and I will admit, when I first opened it up, I was like, "What? Uh, I don't get it." And then as I started playing with it and clicking on some videos and stuff like that, boy, the algorithm really—I mean—it kicked in. And it's—it's it's, uh, there's some entertaining stuff on there. I'm—I'm yeah. I'm gonna be the first to admit there's some there's some funny stuff on there that that um, that that people are doing. So you know, it's well. It, it reminds me very much of the old uh, of Vine, you know, back in the day. Yeah, sure. Um, and and I, I'm, I'm not sure why Twitter hasn't sort of resurrected that, but but it, it's uh, it's very much like Vine, right? I thought it was interesting, and I know you you I know you don't listen to the Prof G podcast, but it, the last episode he covers bits and pieces of this and Walmart getting involved in the TikTok purchase, and his prediction was. I don't know. He called it something uh, interesting, but he he talks about no click purchasing. You know, Amazon does the one click shopping. Yeah. He says that Walmart's going to leverage TikTok's algorithm if this works out to create no click purchasing. And he talks about how to do it. We're not going to go into time, but it's really interesting how if that's Walmart's in on it and using that algorithm to predict purchasing behavior based on what they have, which they that's have. That's cool. Yeah, that's it is. Really it's interesting. really interesting if you think about it from a from a business standpoint. Boy, so. no kidding, no kidding. Yeah. All right, second news item that we'll cover here uh, is from our friends at Google, um, and this uh, article comes to us courtesy of the CNBC network, um, and it says Google says it will pay publishers one billion dollars. Uh, said in your best Doctor Evil voice for news <laughs> in the next three years. Um, and so the article opens up by saying, uh, Google said it will pay publishers around $1 billion for news over the next three years. Announced by Google Chief Executive Sundar Pichai. Is it Pichai or Pichai? I don't know. Um, uh, in a blog post on Thursday. I have always valued quality journalism, he said, and believe that a vibrant news industry is critical to a functioning democratic society. Boy, if that wasn't written by a PR professional, I don't know what was. <laughs> Some PR person is going this is br- this is such a tasty t- just just so enough words good. just it's a tasty morsel <laughs> news publishers including Rupert Murdoch's News Corp 
The German media giant Axel Springer had been calling on Google to pay them for their content for almost a decade, but the search giant had refused. News Corp chief executive Robert Thompson said in a statement, we applaud Google's recognition of a premium for premium journalism and the understanding that the editorial ecosystem has been dysfunctional, verging on dystopian. And another PR agent is going, oh, I got a, I got a, I got a retort that's even better than theirs. So um, full of PR agency goodness there. Uh, what do you think about this whole thing? You actually were the one that has said a few times on how big big tech are going to to bail the large media companies out. Yep, and uh, that's what's happening now. Yep. There's two ways it could happen. It could be direct payments uh, and subsidize the publishers. Like uh, this is what that is. It's just hey, stay in business, folks. Exactly, and we'll keep we will keep running your content on Google and Facebook. We so don't want to hire that, the writers. You, we'll just pay you to exactly. do it. Exactly. Or yeah, well. <laughs> You know, at first, we've had many conversations about this on the yeah. show. We, I actually thought, well, Google and Facebook are going to start buying media platforms. But if they don't want some of the headaches that come with a newsroom, and there's many of them, maybe you just pay off the publishers, which is what this is, and call it a day. Yeah. Because Google needs – and by the way, it's, it's, it's obvious that Google wants to keep people on Google and Facebook wants to keep – people people on facebook that's just the way that it's going but that's the key right i mean just i mean you actually talked taught me this whole thing about the arbitraging traffic right um and and the idea that you know a news article on google is going to be worth x and a view is going to be worth y is is higher than it's going to be worth on the on the destination news site it makes total investment sense for google to do this right oh yes absolutely and, and the, here's the other thing. When you give a billion dollars to a media company and then Google keeps the content on their site, which is what they're doing more Of course. Because right. now they can justify that. Now they, they can, can totally, say, hey, I we're paid paying you for, for that it. content. I mean, <laughs> you know, yeah, <laughs> I don't have to. I'll put the link somewhere to the original and it'll be way, way down at the bottom or <laughs> exactly. hidden in white characters and you can't see it. Um, but yeah, so that's what's going this on. Is literally, this, this, this is literally this is literally the sense. white van pulling up in front of the media companies and a clown getting out saying, "Want some candy, little media company?" Yeah. <laughs> All that's missing is 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 the fish in the bed, the big yeah. fish, <laughs> or the horse, or the or yeah, big fish, or a horse's head, or whatever you want to whatever you want to say. And I don't want to, you know, I'm not going to say this is mafia type tactics but it is it's exactly it is. It's what a big it is. old it's a big old fat bribe that's what it is so there you go that's what it is well <laughs> it's it's even worse than that it's 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 you know in, in a weird way it's just sort of great money laundering is what it, it what it really is here let me give you a billion dollars wash it for me will you <laughs> and here's the and here's the sad thing is that you could go back 30 40 years ago and if this happened, the media companies would be in a position where they could say no. Oh, right. Of course. They would all go, but they're what not. are you kidding me? No, they're not anymore. They're not. Any- maybe a few are. Maybe Washington Post. Maybe. Well, just um, to your, well, the ones that may- are. Maybe New York yeah. Times. Yeah. The yeah. ones that are building walled gardens and ecosystems, right? You yeah. Know, the ones who are betting, making their bets on subscription are, are, I'm sure, either carefully thinking through this or not participating in this, you know, this is, I mean, just to our point, you know, to what we were talking about at the top of the show about the sort of tribal sort of networked and, and, and sort of niche news places that are looking to make money on views. This is, you know, this is the way they sub they get subsidized, right. You know, because advertising, 
you know, I mean, I don't know if you've seen your average news site these days, and that goes for, you know, I've been doing some research recently, and, um, you know, it's just been, ugh, it's just an awful experience going to most of these news sites these days because of the number of, I mean, I posted on Twitter, I went to one news site, um, I was doing some research, and I'm not kidding. I opened the article. It was an, uh, maybe a 500-word article. There were 40-plus ads on the page. 40. I counted them, and I actually did a, I did a screenshot and sort of outlined them. There were ads on top of ads. Like, literally, it would pop up over, and, you know, it, it, was, it, was, it was awful. It's just awful. I mean, 40-plus ads on a single page. Were you, on, were you on Forbes by chance? It was not Forbes, <laughs> but it was... But the, Forbes is the one yeah, that kills me. They're one of the Forbes worst, is the one yeah. where, where I'm, I'm actually engaging in the content, scrolling down, and all of a sudden, there's a movie screen that goes in front. Like yeah. what the heck was that? Right. And it follows you down the page, and then it starts playing, and you can't figure oh, and out then what the it automatic, is. The automatic video playing, just, oh. it just I'm done. I'm Don't done even get you. me started. But the pop-ups, the pop-ups are what kill me. You know, I'm like moving my browser, my mouse to get up to a, you know, to a. Uh, you know, a, a new tab or switch back and forth between tabs, and then the pop like, don't go away, subscribe. You know, it's like, gah, make me, makes me crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. Hey, let's talk hey. about fun things. Let's do let's that. talk about content marketing world because, dude, here we are, you and me, still doing this nonsense ten years later, and. We're about to go to the 10-year, I mean, we're not going anywhere, clearly, but, but we are about to attend 10 years of content marketing. It, it's amazing. It's a decade, man. It's a decade that we've been doing this. It, it really is amazing. And the, I think the one thing, you know, we'll, get, we'll tell some stories here. I got a couple. I'm yeah. sure you have more I, than, more than I that. I do. Well, but I, I have a couple that can will, be told on air, that's for sure. Uh, that, well, that's the, that's the issue. Um, the, the biggest thing for me is the, this community is... They're the nicest, smartest people that you'd ever want to meet. And they, what was, what was awesome about when this whole thing came together and we all met each other for the first time in Cleveland, September of 2011, these people were sort of looking for a home career-wise. Yeah. They were creating content. Usually they were the only person in a company doing it. Nobody knew what it was called. They were sort of outcasts. And we all came together, 600 of us in Cleveland. You know, we were expecting 100. Like, how are we going to get 100 people to Cleveland, Ohio <laughs> in September? And we were lucky enough to get 660 people to come in there. And we, it was so, such an emotional time because we were all searching for something, right? And here we are. We, we made, so that's the big, you know, that's the thing that I always think about when you, when you say, what do you think of content marketing? I mean, I can, we can talk about how far we've come and the number of content titles and chief content officer and changes made in the marketing organization because we're thinking about audience first. Those things are amazing, but it's the people that make it all happen. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, I mean speaking of the people, the, the, you know, one, this speaks to how old I am, but, but two, it speaks to that level of community I have watched, and, and, and I, I mean this literally, 20, 30, I, I don't even know what the numbers, but let's call it 20 just to be conservative, 20 people that I have met through the community that when I first met them were either just graduated from college or first job or 
they were, you know, just moving into a new career of, of marketing and content. And, you know, like last year or the year before, I'd see them and now they're VPs and they're directors and they're, you know, running and, marketing departments. Yeah, they're running all over marketing the place. departments all or over. Or startups. Place. You know, or yeah, a lot or, of startups, you know, or startups or whatever it is. I mean, I, I remember some of those kids back in the, you know, back in 2011 that are now just full on you know, professionals. And it's, and it's, it's, it, that is truly to me, the impact of, of, of not only the show, but you know, what the approach that we've been so, you know, passionate about for the last 10 years has really brought. I mean, it's, it's, it's been amazing to watch. It's been amazing to watch the industry marketing. Now I don't mean just content marketing. Mar it's been interesting to watch marketing change because of it. You know, my one of my I just thought of one of my favorite examples when you talk about people and really amazing people and what they're doing. But I remember in 2012, that was the one year we had to move to Columbus because Cleveland didn't have a convention center built yet. A gentleman by the name of Andy Crestadina was following me all around trying to give me his book that was printed out. I remember I think that. At, I think at Kinko's. Yep. Called Content Chemistry. And I remember he gave it to me, and he, there are still marks of spelling corrections in it. But he's like, I want you to have this, Joe. And it's, it was just like, wow, man, great to meet you, whatever. And then you think about, like, he is one of the top five experts in the world on SEO. <laughs> just And built an amazing agency. Uh, it's just those kinds of things are, are really, yeah, it, it's it's just phenomenal to, to think about. Yeah, I mean... Um, so any anything like if you think about okay ten years, major changes, major things that really, you know, come to mind when you think about over the last ten years in the industry at content marketing world, whatever you got. You know, I think the, I think the the the, the major thing that has changed is, you know, I, there was some part of me in. 2011 and 2012 that as much as I believed in the approach always felt like it would be a niche, um, you know, sort of tactic off to the side, right? You know, in other words, it would be sort of an adjunct of digital marketing and it would be, you know, I, I could not see how integrated, um, the practice would become, you know, in bigger enterprises, you know what I mean? It, it, you and I used to talk back in the day where we'd say, oh, look at inbound versus content marketing, inbound marketing versus content marketing. And, and we were really happy, um, in fact, that, you know, for the most part, inbound marketing was there was a lot of small businesses, there was a lot of, you know, and that, that larger enterprises were really taking to the term. But even then, I was like, I'm, I don't know, I, I, I don't, uh, I, I, I don't, what I guess I'm, one of the things I'm pleasantly surprised as the trends have, have really, you know, sort of fallen over the last 10 years is how much of an integrated part of marketing and communications it became, you know, even to the point of, you know, I mean, you've got certainly the superstars like Seth Godin and, um, Don Schultz and, and so many others that are, that are, that are really talking it up and, 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 and really talked about it from a strategic standpoint, but how CMOs and you know at big companies started looking at it as a as a real strategic process. 
I don't know if you can hear that, but oh, uh, yeah. no, it's there's a, a wind it's, yeah. turbine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got a whole thing going on there. I have no idea what's... Somebody just decided to get out some power tools and... Uh, hey, see, this is a live show. Yeah. I mean, at least it's recorded live. Like, what are you, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, you know, it, it, go back... I mean, I can all, there's so many things that happen to lead, lead up to the first content marketing world. The, I mean, a lot of people don't know this, but so this is like three months, four months before content marketing world. We don't know. I mean, maybe there's 75 people signed up. We just made the decision to, to go spend a lot of money on bringing Kevin Smith, silent Bob, Kevin Smith to come to the first content marketing world. My wife and I, the whole family, is an incredible amount of debt. We get get this call from another publisher. It says Joe, you know, we want to bring you in and have a meeting with you. And I'm like, okay, whatever, fine. So we come in. Kid you not, offer us a million dollars for the entire business. Now, wow, wow. Now this we don't even ha- the event's not even hasn't even been done yet. Now what was great is. We're like, okay, maybe we've got something here, even though we don't even have 100 people signed up yet. Somebody here believes that this is going to be big. And to be honest, it was a little bit seductive because we were eating a lot of bologna sandwiches and having a lot of ramen noodles. I mean, it was it was that, it was was that the bologna ramen noodle years, no doubt about it. So we didn't even know we were going to make it. So fast forward to you know the beginning of September, and I'm behind, I'm in the back. You you know this really well because you were right there. I'm in the backstage. Oh, I tell this story out. all the time. I know exactly oh, what you're going to say. And yeah, I tell this so story. I'm in the backstage. I'm, I'm watching right you be- do this. Yeah. I'm right. Yeah. So it's right before me, I go out for the opening introduction, my opening keynote. I'm putting on a orange NASA suit because, of course, I have this orange issue and everything's orange. So I'm putting on the orange NASA suit, jumpsuit. And David Meerman Scott's right there, and you're you're down the way, and my wife comes into the backstage, this little cramped area right next to David Meerman Scott, and all she does is look at me, and we both start crying, like we just lose it, and we and I, no, we we hugged each other, and I said you have to go because I'm going to lose it right now. <laughs> but that was I love but that, that story was, so so much. Well. What was I? I tell that story because there were two things. First of all, that was the moment that I felt that the business was going to make it because I looked out and saw 600 people, and I'm like, I can't from whatever 17 countries, and I couldn't believe it. The second thing is, this was a real thing. Like to me, like we we sort of, you know, you and I and about a dozen other people, we sort of said this. This content marketing is a thing. This yeah. is this is going to be a thing, and we're trying to convince everyone else that it's a thing. And even created this, you know, started pushing this newer name to it. And that was sort of the moment when when I believed, oh, I think this could be it. This could be a re- the real deal. So yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, know. yeah. It was. I mean that that first. I mean, I, you know, I mean, it, it was in that. The what is it? The Renaissance Hotel is it that Renaissance uh, Hotel yeah. downtown Cleveland? Um, yeah, with all the gold lame that you can handle, um, and just so much guild in that hotel. Um, and I, you know, the 
two things I'll never forget, right, was that, first of all, the, the, the exact scene, I got to witness the scene from afar. So uh, in a weird way, I sort of have a different perspective on, you know, the two of you having sharing that hug, which I thought was just wonderful. And, and you and I were just, you know, we were becoming friends, but we weren't super close at that point. You know, we had just, we had just really started working together in, in, in earnest. We when, just started working on, yeah, we, had, we were yeah, working we decided on, a, on the book a, and on the one client with, yeah. together in Boston. Yeah. 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 We had the one client in Boston and we were, you know, we had just wrapped the book, right. Cause the book launched at the, at the event. And, um, uh, and it was, uh, you know, it, it was one of those things where I remember that I remember, you know, and I think we talked about this on the last show where I, you know, I made, um, uh, I made a bet that I could say a bad word with uh, David Meerman Scott. Um, he bet me $20 that I couldn't get. Um, <laughs> and then, do you remember, the other thing I remember is uh, Sally Hogshead, who we were trying to find uh, a keynote, right, for, I think it was for day two. And, you know, you and I you remember were talking, why, right? You remember why? This was a last minute keynote replacement. You remember why? I don't we remember. Because we had David Pogue, New York Times David That's Pogue. That's right. Drop, dropped he out. Dropped, he dropped out. Yeah. And we, I emailed out of the, like, just out of the blue, I emailed Sally Hogshead and we started chatting online and became friends as a, as a, as a, uh, as a result of it. And we got her invited to be the, the, this day two keynote. <laughs> and, you know, she did her fascinate thing, right. With all yeah. the different colors and all that kind of stuff. And it got really, it got really sexual. Um, in the, you know, and, and, you know, as her talk did, um, and, and that's when I went up after, after I, after, uh, after, after she spoke. And that's when I got my, I, that's when I won my $20 from, uh, from David Muir and Scott for getting the word into the, into the proceedings. <laughs> yeah. Well, if people remember, uh, the, the first event, I know we have quite a few people that have been to all nine other events, but that first one was interesting because, you know, <laughs> In hindsight, I probably wouldn't have, but I wanted Kevin Smith because he built that podcast empire. Yeah. And it wasn't necessarily for his writing and directing, which was would have been enough, right? But I wanted it because he actually is doing content marketing. He built that platform. He built the media company, and I wanted him to come in. Well, <laughs> he was. We, we hired him to do two things. We hired him to do the, like a, a comedy routine at Hilarity's downtown. So we were, had enough for about 300, 400 people to watch him. And then he would do the closing keynote on the last day. And so he, you know, he comes in and does his Hilarity's things. And, and the first, the first joke was a dildo joke. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right out the gate. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, keep and, it clean. He did not. Let's just put it that way. And 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 by the way, that was the the cleanest one that joke that he gave the entire night. Was oh the yeah, first one, and it went way downhill. Now, if you're a Kevin Smith fan, you would have thought this is the greatest thing ever. Unfortunately, there were quite a few people that didn't know who Kevin Smith was. I had two people come up to me the next day in tears. Telling me, and so this is, you know, this is part of the event business where they're like, I had, no, I, I didn't know what to expect, and whatever. When I heard the, <laughs> I heard the horrible things he was saying. It's just the worst experience of my life, and I'm basically, and I felt horrible. Now, that's when you learn something because the next year, when we had Rick Springfield as kind of our entertainment, who was amazing, by the way, 
So in, in sending everyone off to the entertainment that night in Columbus, I, you know, of course, learned my lesson as an event professional and say, okay, this is going to be loud, like a rock concert loud. And if you have sensitive ears, you probably either, either need to wear earplugs or not go. So And so you learn that from now on that you always have a disclaimer with everything. And you have to think of disclaimers that are the weirdest things. Because, you <laughs> like, you know, if, if you, you know, when, when, uh, when we had uh, Jack, uh, who's, who is the... Jack Hanna. The, yeah. Jack Hanna. Jack Hanna in Columbus. If you're allergic to animals or scared of animals, you don't want to be next to a tiger and you're 50 feet away, you should not be, you know, things like that you right. have to do. It's so, okay, nuts. so I have a Rick Springfield story. So, okay. uh, so the, the, and this is, this speaks to how much I love your wife. Um, and <laughs> because and you, I, I think you probably know where I'm going with this. But I do, I do, but I want to hear it. So Rick Springfield's going to be the concert that night. And of course, everybody wants to go, right? Everybody wants to go to the house of blues and see the, see the thing. So (laughs) people are walking in and Rick Springfield is playing. And, you know, it's for those of you who don't know, I mean, who maybe have never heard of it or whatever, every single year content marketing world was September 3rd through 5th, which was almost inevitably opening night of NFL, right? Of football. And so there was usually a game on that weekend or, you know, sometimes it would coincide with opening day or, you know, it was, it was right around that time. Well, that happened to be the night the Cowboys were opening against the New York Giants. um, And (laughs) I really wanted to go to both. Obviously your wife was kind enough, loved me enough to basically (laughs) install or have installed a big screen television above the stage of Rick Springfield at the House of Blues and put the Cowboy game on. So I'm like in seventh heaven here, right? I'm sitting here watching the first half. You had half your of feet the- up. You were-, <laughs> uh, we're drinking beers. We're having the best time watching the Cowboy game and listening to a little of Rick Springfield. It was like, that was the best thing. Then the concert ends and it's it just ends like, for some reason, just in this wonderful sort of, you know, synchronistic, you know, way that it that was right at halftime, we walked back to the hotel and we sat in this little back room, this little back room bar um, at, uh, I think it was the Marriott um, at the time. I can't remember which hotel, to be honest. Um, uh, and we sat in this little back room and watched the second half of the game. And who, who shows up? But the band from Rick Springfield did not show up, but the band showed up. And they sat with us and watched the second half of the game. That was it was fantastic. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, she's well, she loves you and she knows you you love, you know, you by the way, we didn't even talk. I can't I know. believe it. We cannot end the show without talking about Cowboys Browns on Sunday. No, we so cannot. I don't, I don't know I don't know when you wanna you wanna talk about I that. wanna talk about that at the end. I wanna talk okay, about we'll that. I wanna talk we'll about, about that. We'll wrap we'll wrap that yeah. up because for now I'm, we I'm should a... probably talk a little bit about the fact that we've got this wonderful event called Content Marketing World coming up and there's there is a discount code that we can give out, you know, if anybody is still is. on a- the fence absolutely. about Absolutely. But first of all, uh Robert's speaking, I'm speaking. By the way, my and Robert, you you, you know what I'm going to speak about. I've sp- I've and, uh, yeah, yeah, I do. My my presentation is awesome. 
<laughs> it's going to be the best. And you should be there. And Roberts is, is going to be amazing, too, because I know what he's going to talk about. Uh, and then there's like 98 other presentations that are equally as awesome. Uh, go, go to Content Marketing World. Use the coupon code PNR200 to get $200 off. The event is October 13th to 16th. Uh, but I believe that if you miss one here or there, you get access to them for, I think, six months after. Six you months, me, right? yeah. Six yeah, months, yeah. right? Yeah, six months. So you don't you have to watch them basic... all. No, you got to. Yeah. yeah. You're not going to watch them all at the same time. Maybe. Maybe you will. I don't know. No. But, it, you uh, can binge watch if you want, or you can watch, watch one a week if you want. It's, uh, it's yeah, it's it, you got a lot of options there in terms of how you're going to consume the content. And, and boy, W. Kamau Bell and uh, uh, Lovey Ajayi, I mean, are just fantastic keynote speakers. They're going to be awesome. And you know W. Kamau Bell is going to talk politics. You, you, you just know it. I mean, it's going to be... You know, so speaking well, yeah, of, of your course, sort of, I, speaking yeah, of your I'm, forewarnings I'm sure. to the audience, you know, if you don't want to hear anything about politics, maybe I, you don't I'm, go to that particular keynote. <laughs> I'm sure that's going to happen. Yeah. yeah, it's like yeah, when you see Kevin Smith, you know he's going to bring up dildos. It's the same yeah. thing, folks. <laughs> Kinda, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Wait, no, real quick, do you remember when Nick Offerman came out with the ukulele and did the? Did the little song? Oh my god! Uh, you know, the, it was the it was the uh, the the sum that he said in that song. I'm backstage sweating profusely. Yeah. Well, cause he because he didn't show I up. Know for, he didn't show up on the time, audience. right? A lot of people don't know that. I mean, that you know. So here's another inside baseball story for you. He was like, you know, you were up there on stage trying to trying to you know like oh cover for wanna, time. Here. And he's you like, you want to tell that story? Yeah, Look, this is a great, this is a great story, and I don't think I've ever told anyone like in public about this story. So this is a this is a first time story event we're going to hear right now. Yeah. So Nick Offerman was our closing keynote from the Office fame and many other things. Well, and, Parks, no, and Parks and Rec, Parks and Rec, Parks and, Rec. Parks and yeah. Rec. I'm sorry, Parks and Rec. And we were worried all day. He wanted to drive. He didn't want to fly in, but he he wanted to drive in from Detroit. So we were like, can we pick you up? Whatever. No, no, he wanted he wanted to drive himself. And as this is the day of, and we're like trying to figure out what time he would get in. And I think that the keynote was at four, I think it was at four fifteen or something. He had right. to be on stage. So it's something like he arrived, I believe it was like one or two, and we're like, thank God. He got to the hotel. We confirmed he got to the hotel. Thank thankfully. Well, it's like three o'clock and we haven't heard anything. And, and of course, you know, Kelly Wetzel, our event manager, and I, we're starting to get real nervous because we're getting prepped for the closing keynote and we don't know. Well, she she goes over there and figures out he's in the shower. Like he, he took like an hour shower or something like that. And he's like, okay, I'll be right over there. I'm in the shower, whatever. So he's still not over at the convention center and I'm ready to go up and do the content marketing awards. So I need to give the content marketing awards first, and then he's up on stage. So right. I think I was up at four, four o'clock. We started. We always start on time. Start at four, and then Nick would come out, and I would introduce him at four fifteen or four twenty. So we did the awards. It's great. I'm under the assumption that he's backstage and everything's good to go. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'm taken care of. Haven't heard anything. So I'm about ready to do my introduction. This is what the, like I'm ready to introduce Nick Offerman. We're going to play the video. Everything's great. 
And on the teleprompter, I get Nick is not here flashing at me. <laughs> I cannot tell you, Robert. I, everything dropped. Yeah. I, w- I was like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. So I'm, so I'm, you know, you're trying to think everything is, we have everything pretty well scripted for all of our keynote stuff. We know oh, intros, yeah. outros, oh, yeah. everything, everything's down done. So we, it's down, down to, to the second. second. So we don't make a mistake. Well, okay. Nick is not here right now. Does not help me. So Nick, so I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? So I'm like, I said, well, I don't normally do this. I normally save this for the end, but I have, I have you here, and I don't want you running out afterwards and after Nick's done to go, you go get your plane or whatever, or go to the party. And I'm go- I've got you here, and I'm going to tell you all the things I'm thankful for about content marketing. So I go through almost everybody on the staff. I love the CMI team, and I'm going to not. I mean, I don't even remember it. Maybe you remember what I said. But I was just <laughs> going. Like, well, I because I know you so well. I knew you were stretching for time. I'm like I'm filibustering up yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm totally filibustering. So what was that? I think it was ten minutes. I think I yeah, did ten minutes easily. Of just total filibuster, and I just started. Saying, and that reminds me, I got about this, that, the other. <laughs> now here, now he got it. Got on stage. So I introduced him. We played the thing. He came out on stage with the ukulele. It did. It did an absolutely um, gut wrenching song, sexual song on yes, stage. But that's, that's right. beside it. This is this is the one, one the one time that I lost my cool as I came off stage and I I was so upset and I yelled and I was just and I lost my cool that is the only time and afterwards I had to apologize to multiple people and I felt horrible because that's the only time I'd ever lost my cool well was understandable well no it's not it's not cuz you can't those things happen. We're professionals. Yeah, yeah, it happens. But so, you, but uh, so, but so does losing your cool happens, right? It just you know, it's that's yeah, showbiz, so. kid. <laughs> I, I I guess so. But anyways, I <laughs> yeah, I've got nothing. I, you know what? I I just I haven't watched an episode of Parks and Rec since. That's there all I'm going to tell. You. <laughs> that's all I'm going to tell is. you. There it is. <laughs> All Crazy right. business we're in, folks. Let's yes, go. it is indeed. So instead of rants and raves uh, this episode, what we thought we'd do is very quickly um, uh, just go through one thing we're grateful for and one thing we really hope goes away from the last 10 years. Um, so you go first, and then I'll share. Oh, grateful for is easy. Uh, the, the Content Marketing Institute team. Uh, yeah. Even though I have not been working operations for a couple years, I'm close to just about the entire team. Uh, they made everything possible. They've taken the industry up to the next level. This is a group of really special, including yourself, really special individuals. It's amazing how it all came together. Um, I love them all deeply, and that's the thing that I'm most grateful for. And I include my wife in that because, of course, she ran operations for the majority of that time. So it's just special how that all came together. the, what's the other thing you want me to do? One thing you, thing want, you want really me? hope goes away. That, that Besides came up in the Nick last... Offerman? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? That goes, yeah, exactly. Uh, what do I want to go away? So industry-specific. Uh, I was not prepared for that. Um, I, 
I think that I, I want this. Something's got to happen with the silo. Uh, I, I, I'm going to talk a little bit about this in my keynote for content marketing world. But what's frustrating to me is that when I first started in this business in 2000, and I used to call on custom publishing and custom media departments, it was the magazine group or the conference group. And now today, it's the webinar group or the podcast group or the video group. We've siloed into new silos. Yeah. And we've got a lot of great, we've got a lot of change to make happen. And that change can come from content marketing and the people in content marketing. But I don't think we can get some of this great change to happen without busting out of those silos. And you mentioned Don Schultz, who passed away a couple months ago. Uh, you know, one of my mentors, he said, he himself said that content marketing is in a really good role to understand the brand relationship between the customer and the brand and communication is key to that, but they have to break out of that silo. So I would say you're going to have to, you you can't, content teams cannot do it by themselves. They have to work on internal marketing. You get a lot of people involved in it and, and, um, let people know what we're trying to do when we're building audiences and the positive impact that that can make on the business. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, right, sir, what yeah, do you, what well, do you minor, minor, uh, the thing I'm grateful for is, is going to sound like a, a, a repeat here, but it's, but it's worth repeating, which is just the friendships, you know, the friendships of the community, the friendships of the CMI team, the friendship with you the, I mean, it's, you know, it's been, it's been the change of my life. I mean, you know, I can look at the last 10 years of my life and just say it's fundamentally different because of CMI and, and content marketing world. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's truly the, the depth and quality of the people and the relationships that I've been able to build over the last 10 years that I'm primarily grateful for, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's easy for me to say, well, it's also built me a career, but, um, but it's because of the people that, that, that the career even exists. So, so that's the thing. The thing I want to go away is quite frankly, let's just, let's just call the business case made. Let's you know, can we just say that the, you know, if, if, if this is a really important part of marketing, we don't ever have to make the business case for marketing. So let's just, let's, can we just call it the business case has been made already? We, we made it. We, we've made the business case. It's done. How many examples do you want? I know. Right. Exactly. It's, it's like, like what is it? <laughs> you know, how many more Red Bull examples would right. you like to hear? Exactly. There's, there's execution. That's going to convince you. There's execution for sure. There's doing it well for sure. There's having the capability to measure it for sure. All of those things are part of marketing. And so if, you know, if one more CEO says, well, you know, I can make a business case for marketing, but I can't make one for content marketing. I'm like, I can't help you. I, you know, I just can't help you anymore because there's just, it's just, it's there. It's just there. And if you don't see it at this point, it's very hard. Uh, it, it's very hard to say, you know, it, it, anyway, I'll get off on a rant. And that's well, hopefully, hopefully for. in five years, you, you won't have that because you'll have CMOs in position that un, that really understand. Yeah, well, that's well, that's increasing. That's increasing. Almost every yeah. time now when I talk to a business and, and somebody's bringing me in to start to talk about content uh, marketing and content strategy, inevitably the conversation is, oh, our new CMO is all in on content. So we just got to, we just got to figure out how to execute the right way. So there's more and more of that these days for sure. Well, it's all right. Time. We have, well, we have football this weekend. We have, we have a game to play you and I. There's a, there's, so for those of you who don't know and are not interested in the NFL, um, yes, this is the one time every few years uh, when, my Dallas Cowboys will play Joe's Cleveland Browns. 
um, and that's coming up this Sunday. So by the time you hear us again, um, we will have figured out who has bragging rights. And, you know, let's just be clear. And by the way, let it be be said (laughs) that you, the last time that Dallas played Cleveland, we we went to the game. Yeah. We were at the game. Yeah. And, and you came with us uh, into our wonderful seats. And, and you wore, you know, a muted jersey. I did. I did wear it. It was, it was okay. Uh, but I think that you totally crushed us that day. It we did. was not even close, if I remember. That is correct. It was 35 to 10 or something. It was yes. the final score. Yeah. Now, I'm, I know we're going to bet on this, but I'm supposed to... Uh, a few people on Twitter said that uh, that you have to give me some points if we're going to, to do this. But uh, Well, uh, what's the I don't Vegas... Know. What, do you, what do you think? Well, what's the Vegas line right now? Whatever the Vegas well, line is, I'll give you. Okay. Okay. Let's see. Line. Cowboys... Versus Browns. Yeah, right. Uh, let's see what we got. Odds over under. We have Cleveland. Four and a half four, points. Uh, you got four and yeah, a half points. Dallas is favored by four and a half. I'll totally give you four and a half. You're so excited. You <laughs> thought it was going to be like eight or ten. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I can't believe it. Yeah, I would oh totally give you. Oh my god, the spread is ninety percent to ten percent. I mean, what the heck? Yeah, um, I'll totally give you four and a half. All right, four and a half. And what's the bet? I I didn't even think about this, but we have to have something. We have to. Here's what's going to happen: is right. if I win, uh, you have to have a selfie photo of yourself in Dallas Cowboys, some sort of merchandise or. Something okay, and if you win, I'll do the same with Cleveland Browns. All right, and then where? Okay, uh, that's what social media platform? Uh, Facebook, all of it, I think, except LinkedIn. Let's not do LinkedIn. We'll do we'll do Twitter and we'll do Facebook because Twitter and Facebook, yeah. Twitter and Facebook, yeah, and it has to be a clear representation of something that is correct, team re- team related, and it might take a while because you'll probably have to order something or I'll have to order something. <laughs> Yeah, I don't so, have a lot of Cowboys Yeah, I don't have gear. a lot of Cleveland Browns but gear I, around. But don't worry, I've got multiple Johnny Manziel jerseys coming your way <laughs> that you <laughs> you're going to be really happy to have. Uh, they 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 wipe up messes and I mean yeah. they're really really good. Really there you go. Spongy. All right, that'll be fun. Yeah, uh, that will be very. Uh, fun. I do have to say, like I I know Cleveland's two and one. By the way, first time Cleveland is over five hundred since two thousand fourteen. Uh, and that was when they played the Bengals and Johnny Manziel was in and got sacked 72 times. I know you can't believe that, <laughs> right? but it actually was 72 times. There uh, but is. no, I'm, I, I, Cleveland is better, no doubt about it. I love the new coach. Yep. But Dallas has a lot of talent. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, they, and they, they, and they know how to screw Seattle. it up more than anybody. So yeah. they should have beat Seattle last week. And I wanted you to be two and one because now you're going to be hungry. Yeah. And it's, so that's going to stick. Yeah. But it'll be fun. It should be fun. Be fun. It should be fun. All right, folks. We're wrapping this thing up, this wonderful little special episode here. We are signing off. And if you liked it, if you like this episode, number 246, uh, we're just asking to do two very specific things. One, go to iTunes and give us a nice review. We would really, really appreciate that. Um, speaking of algorithms, we're trying to you know get that algorithm in our favor a little bit. Uh, the second thing is share it with a friend. They, you know, Basically say, hey, listen, go listen to these 
two knuckleheads. They talk about football. They talk about marketing. They talk about all kinds of things uh, in the digital world, and it's kind of fun. Um, we're publishing twice a month now for those of you who may be new to the show uh, or basically every other week as uh, episodes come. Uh, in the meantime, if you want more of Joe Polizzi, uh, you can get more of Joe Polizzi at shock of all shocks, uh, JoePolizzi.com. Um, he's yeah, got who a new, yeah, amazing newsletter. One of my favorite newsletters on the planet, just called The Random, um, where you get lots of random thoughts, but most of them fantastic. Uh, and as for me, if you're interested in this, what's going on in content strategy, content marketing, all that, you can get more of me at contentadvisory.net. Of course, everything we talked about will not be in the show notes because we didn't talk about that much, to be quite honest. But the two links that we did talk about will be in the show notes, uh, and we'll include it with the show post and all of that. And until we meet again, uh, which will be in a couple of weeks, remember, everybody, it is your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you in two weeks on This Old Marketing. Go Browns. Go Browns.